On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got a chance to chat with Rishi Narayan from Underground Printing. Man, this guy has been in business like, I don't know, longer than half of my life. And it's been really interesting to see uh, the growth, really cool stories uh, about uh, how they started on college campuses and really turned this into just an incredible brand. And just a super good guy. Enjoyed this episode so much. uh, And I think you guys are going to as well. Today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. At Mindful Marketing, they use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, Snapchat, Twitter, and all the other paid platforms for the majority of their revenue. At Mindful Marketing, they use paid ads to help you build a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google do. In fact, Mindful Marketing wants to offer you a free e-commerce growth plan that they normally charge $500 for. A recent growth plan customer said, our ROAS tripled overnight after implementing their tactics. These guys are no joke at Mindful Marketing Co. So go to mindfulmarketing.co slash grow to claim your free e-commerce growth plan today. Now on to today's episode. All right, I am here with Rishi Narayan. Rishi, welcome to Secrets of Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Hey, thanks for having me, Jordan. I really appreciate it. Totally. So for people uh, watching on video, believe it or not, Rishi looks pretty young, uh, but he has been in e-com like, like as long as like, you've you probably been I, in long, oh, it's because he shaved. I, sh- I shaved, yeah, I shaved for you. That's, that, that's the key. Oh, I, I, really, I, I really appreciate that. It's how I hide all the grays. Yeah, yeah. So Rishi has actually been in ecom longer than anybody who I've known. I mean, that's probably longer than like Ezra Firestone's been in ecom. Uh, to be fair, the amount of time I've been in business versus the t- amount of time we focused on ecom are two different time spans. So ah. you know, when we started underground printing, our actual real focus was to be the anti ecom at the time uh, when we started we actually are like the big competitors where that was when the kind of design online craze happened. It was the first big push on e-com. Yeah. And at that time, so that was like circa 2006, 2005, 2004. At that time, people were like, oh, well, we're going to do all our shopping online. That's going to be it. You know, we go through cycles of this. We just recently have gone through another cycle of this, right? Yeah. And so, so we just decided, we just always thought, you know, I'd love to tell you that it was like we had the foresight to realize this, that, and the other thing. No, I mean, basically, we just we were in college and we thought stores were cool, and we thought main, the main drag in, at college campus was cool, and that that's where people wanted to like that was where the best experience was. So there was a little nugget of just like where the best experience lies, or where you can create a great experience, you're going to have great traction. So while everyone was kind of pushing online, we found ourselves expanding in brick and mortar. But where e-commerce came into play with that is as we expanded in brick and mortar. We had more opportunities. You know, there were places open because, you know, it was, you know, then we were going to that, the the recession, the first recession, the financial crisis. And so we had a lot of opportunities. And what, what ended up happening was there was a reset to where we all realized we were going to, it wasn't going to be just one or the other and local search and, you know, Google my business and the map pack 
played a heavy role in e-commerce. And so that was where we actually started developing our e-commerce. And because we had these physical locations on great lo- in great locations on main drags and college campuses, yeah. uh, we started to get people wanted to buy shirts from us, like of their you know local team or, or you know collegiate team or whatever. And so we had to develop an e-commerce platform to help with that as well. So, you know, we built the e-commerce after the brick and mortar, whereas, you know, like the very popular DTC brands of, of our day now, yeah, started in the e-commerce and then built the brick and mortar to, you know, uh, help that to, to develop their omni-channel. So, so anyway, that's a roundabout story to tell you that although I've been, we will this in May, we will have uh, hit our 20 year anniversary with, with underground printing. I wouldn't call us like e-com veterans of 20 years. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you clarified that because, you know, if any of your friends listen to this, they'll be like, he's a liar. He's a liar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Take him down. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, I, uh, or, or someone will go to the Wayback Machine and look at our first website and be like, this is not good e-commerce. <laughs> that, yeah, that yeah, 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 that's great. So Rishi, sorry, before we really dive into this, can you tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, as you mentioned, my name is Rishi Narayan. I am based out of Michigan, uh, specifically Ann Arbor, Michigan. I was born in Indiana, born in West Lafayette, Indiana, where Purdue University is, raised in right outside of East Lansing, Michigan, where Michigan State University is, and then went to school in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan. So I am very much a Big Ten college kid. I've lived in only college towns my entire life, including a brief stint with in Berkeley, California, when my wife was at grad school there. So I've only lived in college towns. And uh, that's really kind of the genesis of where our, our apparel business started from. So but I, I went to, you know, backtracking, I went to U of M to be a chemical engineer. Hmm. And the reason was that my dad was and is a chemical engineer at at Michigan State University. And uh, in high school, all of my friends got to work at Little Caesars Pizza. And I really wanted to work there. But my my dad said that wasn't, I needed to do something educational. Little did he know that that would have probably been more educational than working in his lab. But <laughs> I was uh, I, I was required to work in his lab. Uh, but I liked it. And, you know, I think I thought, oh, this is this is really cool. This is what I want to do. I want yeah. to be an engineer. And then I got to school and the, uh, you know, I guess I'm sitting in you know, sophomore year I'm sitting in thermodynamics or something like that. And I'm like, this is not what my dad's lab was. And what I didn't realize was my dad was an entrepreneur. He actually licensed technologies that he created in his lab. And that was what I really resonated with. So I learned ah. like pretty early on in my college career, I was like, it was entrepreneurship that, that I liked not the chemical engineering. And spoiler alert, I, you know, I graduated, I got, I got my bachelor's and master's in engineering and I'm glad I did. I learned a lot from it, you know, spreadsheets, problem solving, forecasting, budgeting, a lot comes out of that. But I knew pretty early on, I wasn't, I likely wasn't going to go into the industry, but in college, we actually started a couple of business. First was a loft building company where uh, anyone in college these days will have no idea what I'm talking about. But back in the day, all the beds were on the floor. And so what, you know, these days they have stackable furniture, but what we built like actual bed frames up in the air and they were called lofts. And so that was cool, but it was only a one week a year business. So for two, you know, my partner in that was one of my close friends growing up. His name's Ryan Gregg. Uh, He's still my partner, co-founder at Underground Printing today. We still own it together. And um, we were two budding entrepreneurs and did not, we were like, we need, we need to find something else to do. Like we want to do this. So after a close encounter, my Ford Probe GT Turbo uh, breaking down on the highway, we met a, uh, a tow truck driver who used to have a t-shirt company and took him out to dinner, offered to buy his equipment. And that's how we got started. Uh, we were 
sophomores no in college. No way. That's such and a good story. We took him out to dinner and then we got cold feet and we were like, uh, we were all set to buy his equipment. We got cold feet because we- And what was this investment like, like at the time? It was $5,000 that we borrowed from my partner's mom. So okay, that was okay. what it was. And that was probably um, a lot of money for you back then, right? Like, I mean, we oh had man. to borrow it. We had to We're borrow it. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. For sure. And actually the, the hesitancy was, is that we had like a thousand dollar lease for our shop, which, you know, or maybe it was less than that $750 a month or something like that, which, you know, in today's day and age, we would all probably jump at from what we would have had, but, <laughs> Seven. but we were, we were like, what? We're never, this is, what is it? We, we have to sell like a million t-shirts. Like we had no idea. So we actually tried to back out and the tow truck driver, his name was Rick, we've since lost touch, which is unfortunate, but he's like, oh, you can just set up in my uh, garage for free. Just uh, pay my electricity bill. And so that's what we did. We set up, it was about a 20 minute drive. We set up in his garage next to a broken down Chevy where his two golden retrievers slept and got hair over everything. And that's where we learned how to the first stage of screen print and really like learned how, learned what business was like. Wow. Oh, I love it. So did you start out doing designs for others like like walk me through what that looked like that beginning stage because we we talked about something before we went on air about people thinking in the world of scaling right everyone thinks that every business just needs to scale and you need to go all in you got to quit your job and this is just like what you do can can we talk through that because i think that's really important for people to to hear yeah no it's definitely um a passion point for me, uh, you know, this is what I've been preaching a lot about this. I think we've gotten to a point where the pop culture of entrepreneurship has really uh, glamorized this idea of like raising money and going all in totally. and quitting your job, putting, you know, you know, merging your house, you know, those types of things like that kind of drama makes the story sweeter. Right. And of course, those are the stories that we hear about. Right. But the reality is, is, you know, probably some of the best businesses are side hustles. And there's a resurgence. There's a lot of people preaching the side hustle. I really like that term side hustle. And that was obviously not my term, not uh, not what I coined, but I really like it because it's the basis of where it all starts from. And yes, you can raise money to scale. That has worked. That's a small part of entrepreneurship and and scaling. I mean, most businesses grow and scaling is a little bit of a tricky term, right? I think we think of scaling and we're thinking 100%, 200%, 300%, 500% growth, right? But what is scaling? It just means growth, right? Right. And I actually think that like sustainable growth, sustainable scaling is way more important. And so what that means is make sure you're in the right industry. Don't raise a bunch of money to break it and then be like, oh, I'm sorry, lost your money. This wasn't going to work. It wasn't viable. Didn't hit product market fit. It wasn't able to scale past this. Couldn't get past the freemium model, but, you know, blew your money, but you're a rich investor or whatever, or a poor investor, whatever it might be. Well, especially now, right? Where any average person can get in on some of these crowd funds as well. Correct. That That's definitely right. scares as a Canadian, you know, th- who's used to a much more like regulated sort of culture. Um, yes. Though we do have the same thing here. I don't, I don't know how that ever passed, but like, I'm a little bit scared about those, about those crowd yeah. raises. They definitely and, and, you scare know, me. And I, I think there's, there's some benefit to the, you know, the equity of it, right? It's like, Hey, you know, this, this idea of like an accredited events are like, what if I had a bunch of people that wanted to contribute? That's totally fair. And I think that that's actually, you know, we talk about that a lot in my, in the class I teach that crowdfunding is a, a great customer discovery portal, you know, I mean, so if you treat it as such and reward as such, 
then I think it's, I think it makes a lot of sense. If you're promising the world or promising huge returns, then I think then of course that's disingenuous. I don't think most go that way because there's a lot of transparency that comes with that. But, but I've seen, I've seen so many more out there recently. Uh, an acquaintance of yeah. mine had a, uh, they had like about a $600,000 loss last year. Yeah. Yeah. And a cub, an established company and uh, raised a uh, million dollars and $24 million valuation. I'm like, so yeah, is that yeah. eth- like, where's the ethics? I just don't, I don't get where the, where the ethical divide is. Anyway, this is not about crowdfunding, but. <laughs> no, no, but I, but I, I think it's pertinent to scaling, which is we, how we've kind of disassociated ourselves from like, you're taking someone's money and you're pushing hard and potentially you've disassociated yourself. Like it's like, oh, it's acceptable losses. And, you know, I've sat on both sides, both as like a founder and like asking for money and also having invested and, you know, in seed rounds as an angel investor. And, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, as you get further removed from, you know, you got funds and and so you're further removed from the investor, it's a lot easier to push hard. And, and, you know, if the losses are what they are, it's fine. You know, most VCs, you know, they prefer that a company shut down. So there's a full write-off than it to just like, you know, run sustainably at a very, you know, not hitting the where it needs to be because like that doesn't help them if it doesn't close, if it doesn't yeah. shut down. Yeah, That's yeah. weird. That's weird, right? Like what if I were to tell, you know, the 12-year-old you and me that like, oh, I'm going to start a business that will run really well and, you know, put a thousand dollars in your pocket every month. Like, would you be disappointed in that? Would you, would you be ashamed yeah. of that? Well, yeah, but it, you know, I don't think we would have it at that time, but like now, like that's not going to get any papers written about you. That's not going to get stories written about you. Like that's not what excites people. And and I think that the thing about scaling is over what time period, what duration, because I think entrepreneurs worth their salt will tell you if you don't embrace the grind, if you're not in it for 10 years or 15 years, which is usually past the life cycle of, of like what an investor wants to see. Mm-hmm. But if you, if you're in it for this long haul of, sl- of sustainable growth, that's not exciting. You know, that's hard to return. And I, I have no, I have no ill will towards a VC or investor that needs a faster growth, but of course that's just a different model. So I guess the my answer to that is not all businesses are made for that. Like you need really high returns and not all businesses are built on high returns. A lot of DTC apparel is just not built in that world. And it's, and it's really hard to make that work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, especially compared to, to SaaS companies, right. Which is where right. VCs are spending most of their, their time and money is in right. those sorts of places, but they're definitely starting to step into the, into the direct consumer physical product world. Although, you know, these days, actually, I think it's coming out, you know, uh, I actually read an article where I'm blanking on his name, but the founder of uh, Dollar Shave Club, Michael, oh man, anyway, you can, you can, I know who you're talking about, Uh, founder of Dollar Shave Club, which was the quintessential, like one of the first great D2C, DTC companies, right? With their, with their viral video that was, you know, the first kind of like company viral video that's now like mainstream, not a big deal, but at the time was totally unique. You know, he basically said like DTC. DTC is too saturated now. Like he would not start a DTC brand because it's not the same as it was. And that's the thing is that by the time it hits critical mass, it's already fallen out uh, or already reached some saturation where the the scaling effects have moved away, right? It's like the paid ads addiction. This is something Andrew Chen talks about. Like by the time everyone gets into it, the effects of scaling have washed away. So really, if you're not like, you've not luckily picked the right area or the right industry or the way to do it because of your timing or whatever, then you're, you're too late and you're better off running a sustainable, maybe slower growth business, but 
you know, scales the right way. Yeah. One of the things that we're looking at right now, and we've got a couple of acquisitions on the go, and one of them is uh, in the media space as well as the physical product space. Because I love that diversification, right? Of not yeah. being addicted. I mean, even if, if anybody's ever gone to our agency's website as well, Mindful Marketing, what we say on there is we're the agency that uses ads to get you off ads. That's because, exactly right. <laughs> because eventually, like, you're, yep. it's going to get to a point where your cost of acquisition is going to outweigh your customer lifetime value or, yep. or half of it, where whatever that equation is, where your profit margin is. And then it yep. absolutely makes no sense anymore. So yep. don't be addicted. <laughs> don't get addicted. I mean, yeah, it has to be a small percentage of what you do now. It's a great place to like seed the funnel, you know, improve that. But if it's what you require, if it's everything you need, it's just not going to work because others are going to be attracted to it and it's going to get very saturated. So, or you need to have been in it for a long period of, you know, for a long time, you know, at this point we've been in it for 20 years. So we have some good ranking. And so like we can, we can play, but we're still not, we're not even close to being the biggest. So like, it's still an uphill battle, right? So that's why you have to have a a more comprehensive strategy and usually throwing money at it doesn't work. Um, It takes time. And even if you have a ton of money, as you probably know, you can't just spend it. Like it's really hard to spend it correctly in AdWords or in Facebook marketing. Like there's a lot of testing. There's a lot, of, or at least efficiently, yeah. right? You could throw money at stuff, but like- Sure, you, you can spend money really fast. <laughs> yeah, but if you're trying to spend a lot of money and do it like at, a, at the correct cost of acquisition or, or cost per click, then that, that takes time to develop that. Absolutely. Let's talk marketing right now. What is working for you guys? Well, that's a great question. You know, I think that we, a couple of the things that we're doing right now that are, you know, the, the best part is, is like, none of this is like super secretive stuff, right? It's all just like timing and execution, right? So, you know, we've just recently uh, gotten into affiliate marketing. Um, we're really late to the game on that. But, you know, the thing with us, as, as I mentioned before, is we were a, e-commerce was always a secondary thought for us. It wasn't yeah. a necessary thought, but it was a secondary thought because we were really focused on our, our physical locations. And we still are. They are, you know, corridors. Are they soul. your physical locations or are you? Correct. All, I mean, we don't own the, own the real estate, but they are our yeah. stores. Like, and there's and no, how, many of them, how many of them uh, are we have? We have 25 locations. We've, you know, hovered. We've shut some down during the pandemic. We'll bring them back, you know, as things open up. But I'm like, right now we're at 25. And these uh, range from like office locations to like full on brick and mortar, full stores with collegiate merchandise and so on and in between. But, you know, so when the, we, we have always had an e-commerce and like, that's been a part of what we did. But you know, what's interesting is when your bread and butter is taken away, so to speak, and all you have to focus on is the other, is the secondary, you just start learning real quick. Right. So like, yeah. that was something that we, we were, you know, and I would say we were bigger than most of our competitors in the e-commerce space, but we were not e-commerce pioneers by any means. And so we realized that we realized that we had a lot of work to do and we weren't mm-hmm. doing a lot of the prototypical things that uh, e-commerce companies were doing. So, you know, I think that, you know, we were doing some more basic stuff, just like a better, we did heavy tweaks on our um, site in terms of how better to convert our, our order flow, our process flow. We utilized that, took that back in to do, have better analytics on how our, our Google ads were performing, started to get back into a little more Facebook marketing, but more in the lookalike audience assess, uh, area and also more in, in retargeting fundamentals. 
like not anything crazy. Um, we explored a few crazy um, ideas in terms of airport ads and things like that. But ultimately we went back to stay with what got you there. And so we yeah. just like wanted to execute on that well. So yeah, so I'm not telling anyone in your audience anything that they haven't like done already know, but it was just a matter of like, all right, let's go back and go back at it again and go back at it again and make it better and make it better and go to some of these things that have been tried and true. And then we have some, and then we improved some technologies we had that were, that were lent themselves to the to the situation we were in with the pandemic. So like online order fulfillment and fundraising and stuff like that. And mm. then those things have continued to be, you know, great drivers. And so we're, we're doubling down into those things, making sure our site, you know, uh, and our sales force and our sales team uh, is really catering to that. Awesome. I, I'm going to ask you the question that I ask everybody. Uh, you've kind of already answered it. What is your secret to scaling? So yeah, I, I believe it's fundamental. I think it's a focus on fundamentals. And lately, I've been, um, I've been telling my students, you know, like why I teach the class, like, you know, in the beginning, it was thought I was going to be a professor and my dad is a professor and I'm a son of an academic. And so, you know, that's, that's where it started. But now, you know, some semesters later, you know, I've almost done for four or five years now that I, it's like, why do I keep doing it is every semester I have to refocus on the fundamentals. So Mm. inevitably every semester I teach the lecture on email marketing and I'm like, are we doing this? You know, are we, are we (laughs) totally? Because, because as you, as you grow, you get fancy. I'm just getting oh, fancier. Yeah. Like, oh, I don't need yeah. to do this. I'm not doing the. And so like a refocus on the fundamentals is, is huge. And so like, I think if nothing else, if you can teach the fundamentals of what, of the business you're in, if, if anyone out there finds themselves in that position, take that opportunity mm. because I think I feel better and more, I might not be able to like, things might not happen, but I feel better in knowing what we need to do. And then it's just a matter of execution, which is not some just like, just a matter of, I shouldn't even say it that way. Execution is very hard, but at the end of the day, uh, focus on the fundamentals, I think is the key to scaling. Because if you do the fundamentals well and continue to do it well, then you're delivering a great process. You're delivering that great process and a great product, great service, whatever it is you provide, that will scale. And ultimately the scaling is going to come from your word of mouth and those scaling factors that are not paid because paid is fickle. It's going to go away. I, I totally agree. You can, like paid, yes, you can scale up until to a certain point. But if you really want to be like a lasting brand and be profitable, you have to have the word of mouth. Just, yes. you, you've got to have it. Uh, otherwise you're not going to spread the same sort of way, right? There, There is just only so much inventory on all these platforms. Absolutely. That, yeah. And sometimes the word of mouth is about lasting, you know, it's just about like being there longer. Like some things take time, you know? So while maybe when we started this, I had aspirational goals of billions of dollars in sales and whatnot. Now I would say I want to be around in another 10 years. Yeah, I want to be bigger and I want to be better, but I want to be here. <laughs> and that just means continuing to do the right thing. Because if we if we don't do the right thing, then we won't be here in another 10 years. So it's the last another decade. These are very modest goals. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that's, scal- well, that's scaling for me. Like we were talking about the fundraising before, right? And yeah. sh- to me, I think some of the short-sightedness of some companies that are doing it with valuations that just aren't reasonable. To me, it comes back down to human principles and fundamentals yes. that that like following those like I, I I'm yep. going through my and I'm sure people on the podcast have heard me talk lots about this but I'll say it one more time because multiple people have reached out and said oh my gosh I always read these books you talk about and I'm like oh that's good that just makes me feel good but my my yearly I've just gone through my yearly seven habits of highly effective people read and it's like these are just principles that exist 
So you might as well get in the river of these principles and same with fundamentals right. of, of selling, right? And of, of doing good customer service and all these fundamentals, these are things that will not change. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, they, they will not change. That's right. That's right. The, the nuance around them may change, but they will not change a hundred percent. So uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. That's great. Okay, we're gonna move on to our lightning round here. Yes. Wait, hold on. I wanna. I wanna. I got. I, I wanna prep for the lightning round. Okay, go ahead. I may just. I may have changed up some questions since last. Oh, since that. So, but let's see. That's okay, smart. You, that's smart. That's smart on your on your part. <laughs> you've been you've been good thus far uh, on the spot. So, first question is favorite tool or app that you're using right now. Yeah. So I thought about this one, and I decided my answer is gonna be the snooze function started in Gmail. I currently am using superhuman, but in either case, the snooze function in your email app is my favorite tool. I think it's uh, essentially a CRM, a task list, a to-do list. I mean, I just think that if you, I'm a practitioner of inbox zero, and if you're a practitioner of inbox zero, it's really hard to do without a snooze tool, or at least it's inefficient. And so I highly recommend using your snooze in Gmail. I'm, I don't, I've, I've never used like me or Outlook or whatever, but so I use Superhuman now, but you know, I've also, you know, used Gmail for years. So it, but in both cases, Snooze is uh, what I really like. That's great. Boomerang is a good free, has a good free version of that as well. Yeah. Boomerang is the only thing I didn't like about Boomerang and uh, sorry if they're a sponsor is I don't like no. it when it shows back up in the thread, right? So I like my threads clean. And so like, because you, you like Boomerang would Boomerang it back in. Yes. Uh, I, I did not like that. I switched over to Superhuman. I never really wanted to. And then someone just like gave me a free trial. And there's like, the reason I like it is for one thing and one thing only as very nuanced like more versatile snooze functions. Like I can type when I want to snooze it to versus going to like locked positions. It's like really easy. And literally the reason I keep using it is because it snooze is more versatile. I, I just believe in the snooze function that much. I've heard so many people talk up superhuman. So you're, yeah. you're good. You made a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening to right now? Oh, great question. Definitely threw me off on that one. Uh, I really like, so I'll give you two. Two podcasts I really like. Okay. One is I really like Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard. I do too. I really like it. I, uh, I'm, you know, I'm from Michigan. He's from Michigan. So there's that tie in. Uh, and then, you know, I just, I, you know, I think I, I like his guests. I like how he, how he goes about it. Uh, also on the uh, fun side, I really love the Smart List podcast with uh, Jason Baseman, uh, Will Arnett and Sean Hayes. Uh, that's just because I love Arrested Development. So it's like listening to those guys is hilarious. I have um, never he, listened to that before. I'm going to, I'm going to add that to my list yeah, right now because I love those guys. It's so good. They're obviously A-list celebrities. So they'll have other A-list celebrities on, but they don't even care. Like they'll just end up talking themselves for 20 minutes and the guests will be like, <laughs> I'm right here. I'm here. I'm right here. <laughs> Like Clooney will be like, yeah, but do you want to talk to me or or what? Uh, <laughs> and then on the businessy side, obviously, you know, actually, <laughs> I'll give you two. One is I really like Work Life with Adam Grant. I highly recommend it. Adam Grant is uh, occupational psych uh, business leader. I'm butchering that, but something in the organizational studies area at Wharton. He's from went to went to Michigan. Uh, he's from Michigan, but uh, he's at Penn now, obviously. And uh, I just think his uh, books and his podcasts are, are great. And then the other one that I just like fun is um, Business Wars on Wondery. Actually, my kids who are eight and five love Business Wars because yeah. it's like they're watching a TV show. But like when we're driving in the car, they just like, you know, North Face versus Patagonia. You know, I yeah. think right now we're listening to Uber versus Lyft, you know. So 
So, I mean, it's just like, that's just like fun drama. And there's like, the, you know, I think we've been like Nintendo versus Sony, you know, like they're, they're pretty fun. So, and there's some good nuggets uh, in there as well. But uh, yeah, so those are the ones that I would uh, list off amongst the many, many podcasts that are out there. Good, good answers. Yeah, we'll make sure to put those uh, in the show notes. Uh, last question for you. Again, I don't think you're prepped for this one, but I'm hoping that you have a good answer. Uh, if you could sit down with anybody for an hour, have coffee, tea, beer, wine, who would it be? Not all of them, but you know. <laughs> oh man, that I was definitely not prepped for that one. And I don't want to ruin this answer. Oh man. Uh, let me give you two. Let me give you two answers. Okay. Okay. You can have two since you weren't prepped. <laughs> all right. I'll take two. Uh, I'll do the same thing I did in podcast. I'll do like the fun world and then the business world. Okay. Uh, so I guess I would say my favorite basketball player of all time, professional basketball player of all time. And my mom's is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And so ah. that would be, that would be for me. Uh, that would be awesome. And then on the business side, I think that I would, I think right now I'd say Adam Grant. I just think he's awesome. Good answer. And you've already explained yeah. why he's such a great guy. So yeah, there you go. Made it. So that, that's not cheating. Your next guest is going to be like, do that last guest kept picking two and three answers to your name. One thing I'm going to do. Yeah. four or five. I've really, I've ruined this for you, by the way. Yes, yes, yes. I'm going to have to restart all over again. So um, Rishi, where can people find out more uh, about you and more about your brand? Yeah, so um, you can visit Underground Printing at undergroundshirts.com and you can learn more about me at rishinarayan.com, R-I-S-H-I-N-A-R-A-Y-A-N.com where obviously I have links to Underground Printing but some other, you know, ventures and things I'm in. A little little uh, write-up on my favorite efficiency and productivity tools, uh, things like that. Cool, awesome, that's great. Well, we'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you again so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun, Jordan. Thanks so much for having me. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.